Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Paez. Thanks for joining us. Now grab a cup of tea, sit back and relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. This week, Rachel, I'm very excited. We have Kim Green, a friend of mine from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who I've known for a a decade now, we discovered. Mm -hmm. A decade. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Kim? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, It's so (laughs) open-ended. That's what we do. Uh, I know. It's like, okay, where do I start? Um, well, I am a clinical social worker um, and I work at the VA, which is how Dina and I met uh, 10 years ago. And I am married, um, my wonderful wife. I grew up uh, kind of all over. I was a, a military brat, as they say. Uh, my dad was Navy. And so we moved around a lot. Um, I grew up pretty religious. My family was really religious and yeah, so so we moved around a lot. Chicago is kind of what I would consider home. And then, um, I continue, I think I just got used to the pattern of moving every few years. And as an adult, I just pretty much kept that up. (laughs) So (laughs) I've lived in Arizona and I've lived in New Mexico and I've lived in Georgia and I've We've been back in Chicago, and as a kid, we kind of lived everywhere, Virginia, Tennessee, um, so just lots of places. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of the basics. I have a long history of, um, like, a, a medical history that's, I would say, makes up a good portion of um, things about me, which feels weird to say. I sometimes describe myself as the medical nightmare. Uh, that's always a of, thought. <laughs> that's what? A nice way to describe yourself. Yes. <laughs> For many, many years, that felt like the most accurate description for myself was just, I'm a medical nightmare, um, just to have constant things going on. But I would say overall, kind of my primary thing about myself for me personally is my work as a social worker um, that kind of defines a lot about who I am. I don't know if I would say how I grew up defines a lot about who I am, but my being sick and I was a sick kid, um, I grew up. I, I was always sick. I was hospitalized a lot. I had a number of surgeries. Um, and so that definitely has made a lot about who I am. And do you currently currently work for the VA or did work for the VA? I do. No, I currently work for the VA. Um, I work at the Minneapolis VA currently, although looking to shift that and be here in San Diego. So excited about that. Um, and I've been with the VA for 10 years. So, And prior to that, I mean, I've done... I've worked in social work for a long time. So I um, got my master's degree when I was when I was 30, right around 30. And for years, I worked in a nonprofit with LGBTQ youth, um, primarily youth of color in Tucson, Arizona. And I did that work for a long time. And I really probably my favorite job that I've ever had. I mean, no money because it was a nonprofit and I was brand new out of my master's degree. Um, But I loved that job. And to this day, I still keep in contact with some of the kids that I worked with through that program. 
Um, and I really, really loved that work specifically. Um, but then from that, um, had a couple other jobs and kind of community mental health and that work, but then got in at the VA 10 years ago and I've been with the VA ever since in some different roles. I've been in the homeless program and I've done, I do rehab medicine now. It's been very interesting. This past year has been very, very interesting because I work inpatient um, oh. at a hospital during COVID. Uh, so it has been a exceptionally challenging year. Really love what I do. I'm really interested to honestly like get to the nitty gritty because I feel like you have such an interesting perspective coming from being a, as you call it, a sick kid um, <laughs> and also moving around all the time. Um, I knew what it was like in my home. I had a, a, you could call it a sick kid, which was my brother. Um, And so I knew from what I learned in that setting, what values came from that. So I'm really curious to know (laughs) what are your values? Um, So I've thought about this. I have, I have listened to the podcast. And so I knew this was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. Getting into, um, so I thought I thought a lot about this, but I've also talked a lot about this. I was actually telling Dina um, very recently that one, my wife and I talk about this stuff all the time. <laughs> I don't know why we are constantly having conversations about our values and our beliefs, and um, and I did a whole health. Uh, coach training through the VA. And a big piece of that is talking about your values and kind of starting at that place. And so I would say for me currently, the my values are compassion, kindness, and health. And health being a holistic version of health, mental health, emotional health, um, and definitely physical health for me. I'm interested. You said yeah. that now these are your values. Have mm-hmm. they changed over time? Yes. I would definitely say that the, the health value um, changed probably, I would say the most. I think compassion and kindness, I always had, even as a kid, I was extremely sensitive. I was kind of known in my family as a sensitive kid. Um, and even to this day, something will happen and my mom or dad will go, oh, well, you always were sensitive. <laughs> as though okay. that's a bad thing or something. I <laughs> yeah. Don't. yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but the health value shifted for, for me. And a lot of that is just based in my own history of having numerous surgeries and being very sick. And, um, and so health kind of got brought into that and, and my compassion and my kindness and health as a, as values really interplay with each other a lot. So even within my health, compassion and kindness plays into the choices that I've made around my health. Can you tell me a little bit about more what about a health value looks like? Yeah. Um, I think it's probably different for everybody. Um, I think based on, you know, a lot of things, disability, you know, those, those things can make a huge difference in, in how you view health and your access to health and and things like that. So for me, health as a value is about physical health. It's about being able to physically do, do things. So being able to go hiking, being able, it's, a lot about longevity, honestly. And I think some of that comes from the fact that my wife is 10 years younger than me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm highly motivated to keep up with her. <laughs> um, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with a, with a really 
good relationship. And so I want to be able to be in this relationship for the long haul and I want to be able to be around for it. Um, and so, and as somebody who's had multiple kind of very close, I could have died moments with my health history it's just really important to me to be healthy and be able to live a long life and live a long life where I'm active, where I'm able to go on trips, go on vacations, travel, hike, be physically active. And then it also plays into, I think, my emotional and, and mental health. And for me, physical health has a huge impact on that. Like, I think physical health is has a direct impact for me on my emotional health, my mood, how stable I feel, um, shifts with, if I'm, if I'm doing well physically. I'm interested, curious because mm-hmm. we're talking about this health value, this physical health value and how it plays in. And you're saying that that's the one that changed the most. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I'm curious to know why did it change? What was it that before, I guess maybe it wasn't a value. What was it that changed to make it a value? I mean, I, I think a big, a big piece of that is my wife um, and that relationship. And I think some of it is also just different experiences. So I had my first open heart surgery when I was 27 years old. And I, um, I was a student at the time. I went back to college kind of late. Um, and I, so I was in college, actually, I was in my last year of my undergraduate program and I got really, really sick. I lived alone. I had friends, but I would have, I had what I would identify as college friends. They were, you know, they helped me out, but they didn't kind of know any better than me about a lot of things. And I did not recover well from that surgery at all. I kind of continued to be sick for a really long time. My recovery took a really long time. I felt very physically debilitated, um, just not being able to drive, not being able to go anywhere. Um, I gained a lot of weight, which for me physically just made it harder to be in my body and to be able to move my body around that was already cut into and very sore. And so that was really challenging to me um, at the time, but I just didn't really value. I mean, I was also somebody who went to the gym every day, but also smoked. (laughs) So I just like, the the value of health was not really there. Like Mm -hmm. I definitely, I had a value of like, I should go to the gym because that helps me like stay physically fit in a body that I feel comfortable in. Um, but I'm also going to smoke because I'm a student and I'm 20 something and I don't really like my health is whatever. It's not a big deal. When I got sick and had the open heart surgery, it was a, a bit of a, it was an initial wake up call. And I definitely, kind of thought, oh, I should like take better care of myself. But I was, I have a, it's a congenial issue. It's kind of one of those things where diet, exercise, none of that stuff, it really matters. Like it's not, it's not if I had been eating better or if I'd been taking better care of myself, I wouldn't have had the surgery. So it was really easy, very quickly to kind of fall off the wagon of that and start smoking again and just kind of continue my life as it was. And then um, I met my, my current wife and, and I, from that time, I just have to mention from the time of that surgery, when I was 27, I was hospitalized almost annually for various reasons. I I'm now on a blood thinner. And it, if you don't know, anticoagulation can be very 
tricky. Um, and so it just causes a lot of bleeding issues. I would often end up in the hospital because of issues with that. And so I was just constantly hospitalized. And then when Finn and I met, I got sick again in the early part of our relationship. And it turned out that a clot had developed on my artificial heart valve and I had to have open heart surgery again. And I was really devastated, really, really devastated because I just, it was so hard the first time and I didn't have anybody. I didn't have any good community around me. I didn't have um, a lot of people there to help me. And I felt really devastated by that, um, by finding out that I had to have that second surgery. And so when I came out of the surgery, I told Finn, I was like, I just don't want to recover as badly as I did the last time. Last time it was so hard and I felt terrible for so long. I just want it to be better. And Dina, it's really funny. You actually come directly into this because that was, we met right after that second open heart surgery. Right. I remember mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I remember talking to you about not recovering well from the first surgery and wanting to do kind of do better. I wanted to be more physically active. I wanted to be a more active role in my own recovery from this major surgery. And you were a runner and you were like, have you ever heard of Gottman or not? Galloway. Galloway. Sorry. Gottman. Gottman's a couple therapy. (laughs) I know. I can't keep them straight. <laughs> it's all a G. I don't know. All a G. Yes, Galloway. And, um, and you know, I had kind of dabbled in running periodically, but I just was not a, a serious runner. I was not. And, and it was scary, the idea post-surgery. And you were the one, you were like, well, this is, this is kind of how I, this is how I run. This is why. Um, and I think that you should try to run, try running. Um, and you really motivated me to do that. And not only that, that, I don't know how much of this you remember, but you really stepped in and helped me because you, me and you would go running together and you, we would go run and you would, we would take breaks when I needed to. And you would talk with, talk with me through it. And we would just kind of, you know, go a little further and a little further and a little further. And you were the one that convinced me to sign up for the peach tree and, So it's just, I don't think that I would have been able to put what I wanted to do into practice without you. Oh, that's, that um, makes me feel really good because you know how important my healthy lifestyle is and running has always been my major outlet and my major way of taking care of myself and to be able to bring that to someone else and to hand it over and say, here's an experience that I love and it would be great if you tried it too. And then for you to take that on, I, that makes me feel really good. So thank you. You're I, welcome. I'm glad. I, I don't know if I had ever told you that. So. That's cute. That was a cute moment. I, um, <laughs> there's a few things that you mentioned that I think are really key. And I think it ties into, again, the your and Dina's relationship is the importance of community, right? You mm-hmm. say that when you had your first open heart surgery, one of the hardest things was you didn't have a support system around you and then you eliminate your, uh, your able body because you can't do anything and Mm -hmm. it impacts your mental state. Like you said, in the beginning, it's a very common cycle. And I think the cool thing about community is it is that opportunity to get physical with them. And it spans on that health in so many different 
like categories of physical, emotional, like intellectual, even if you go to school or learning or things like that. And I think community is something that people forget of how, and it doesn't have to mean when you say community, it's not, oh, a hundred people. It could be one person. Like that is still a community. Um, And so I just loved that you Mm -hmm. said how important it was from the first surgery that you had and how hard it was. And then the second one and the big shift was, yes, you started running with Dina, but it was, you had your wife who was not your wife at the time and you had Dina and you sounds like you might've had a little bit more community than that, but the importance of how much that changed your recovery um, from the first time around. And I just love that. It did. And I can definitely elaborate on that because so, and it, community is huge. And I would say, you know, if I had to kind of maybe an adjacent value, (laughs) I I would challenge that and say, I wouldn't even call it an adjacent value. I I would call it a pretty, a pretty core value from what I know of you. Yes. That is, that is true. It is, it is a core value. So we'll just just toss that one in there. Just toss it in. We can add it in. Toss it in. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. We're throwing things into the pie. That's right. You're filling. Anyway, community. So thinking back, so the first surgery that I had, like I said, I was in college and I had some friends and um, it's not that I didn't have people that didn't care for me and, and, you know, who would come and stay with me for a time frame, but it was kind of that long haul community, the people Mm. who were able to stick around for the the month later, the two months later. um, And even longevity, the longevity, And, you know, the difference from, you know, people kind of college friends who didn't have a lot of time themselves, we didn't, we weren't well, I guess, connected to each other in, in some ways. And so it was like, yeah, I can bring you food and would, you know, bring me Taco Bell. And it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, I just had open heart surgery. It's super helpful. (laughs) But yeah, college and totally, you know. It's exactly. I, it was never a, like, I can't believe you're bringing me this. It was like, thank you so much for bringing me food, but (laughs) just also the recognition that, you know, that's just kind of a difference, but I, but it wasn't even that it, the longevity of that. Whereas the second surgery, Finn and I had definitely, um, where we were in Atlanta at the time and we had, um, a really good community of friends. We had a, a large network of people that, supported Finn. Finn really started that. I kind of stepped into it. I got really lucky and, and met this wonderful person and then stepped into a really wonderful community um, that was already attached to her. And they took me in, which was great. <laughs> so after that surgery, I had Finn and I had Dina with running. And then we had a group of friends for four months post my surgery that set up a meal train and brought us homemade meals. Wow. And it was amazing. Um, and so it was, it was folks that would come over, it was three times a week and they would come over and not just bring us a meal, but then it was, we got to have time with them. So they would yeah. bring a meal and eat with us. And so we would sit and we would eat this meal and we would communicate. And that just helped with my mental health, you know, not getting depressed about having my second open heart surgery compounded on the numerous surgeries I'd already had as a child. Um, and just kind of that feeling of being a chronically ill person and feeling like this is my life and this is what defines me. And in those moments with community, eating food and just talking about whatever and realizing that other people, that wasn't their perception of me. I'm not just this chronically ill person who's always in the hospital. 
it's so um, full circle because one of the first true values that you said was kindness and compassion. And mm-hmm. when you said that, those are the first two words that came to my mind was, wow, she is surrounded by so much compassion and kindness. And um, something I believe in is, is we are what we kind of surround ourselves with. And mm-hmm. so it just, I don't even know you other than this conversation, mm-hmm. but I already know that that's how you live your life is from a place of kindness and compassion. If you have people around you that are willing to show you so much kindness and compassion. Um, and I just, I'm just really happy to be on this call and listening to your story (laughs) and knowing that it's such a value for you because it, it helped you heal. Like those, Mm -hmm. that's a core value. Cause again, like coming from a house with a really sick kid and I was not particularly well myself in different capacities and those moments of when your community and the people who support you the most show you that they see more than just what's happening to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. It made a huge difference in my, in my emotional state. And I think the way that I process myself as a person, I think you interact in the world a lot by how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that's how you project yourself out into the world. And I think for a long time, I did project myself out into the world as kind of this sick person or somebody with illness and having people that didn't see me for that didn't, weren't always constantly asking me if I was okay or asking how I'm feeling, just, you know, being a friend, hanging out. What are you doing? What are you up to? What's life look like for you right now? Um, Really helped me be able to project a different version of myself. Were your parents kind and compassionate? That's a complex question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, family of origin questions. That's always getting into sticky areas. Oh, I don't know. Um, the short answer is yes, they are. My dad is my dad is a is a physician. He's a doctor, and for many many years, he spent uh, time going to other countries doing various medical mission work. Um, he opened a homeless shelter to provide medical care to homeless population when they lived in Tennessee. So he, he is a very kind and compassionate person. Um, my mother is also very kind. She is just much more stoic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so it, it's, if you are, if you are closely connected to her, um, she's very kind and she, you know, will kind of do anything for you, but you got to kind of get in, <laughs> get in, there and then, but because because of their religious background and because of their fundamentalism, there was their kindness could only take them so far. Particularly when I came out, I like which how is you a whole. That, that I like how you said, you know, their kindness could only take them so far, and I think that that's such a again where a lot of conflict I think with religion comes in when it comes to values because I imagine. Mm-hmm they were slightly conflicted between certain values that they might've wanted to have and what religion teaches as values. Right. Um, And so I I just like that you, I think that's a very kind way to put it. (laughs) Um, And something that I am going to take with me as I reflect on some people in my life's choices, maybe is Mm -hmm. their kindness can only take them to a certain place. Yeah. And I think I've, 
I mean, over time, I've had to learn a lot about that as I've gotten older. I mean, I just have so much more grace for my for my family and my parents than certainly I did when I was younger and first came out. And it was really, really hard and challenging. They, I was living at home at the time. They told me I could no longer live in the house. It was a hard time. And but I can look back now and realize that one, it was just a different time. They really didn't understand. I think, I think in their heads, they thought if we make this as hard as we can on her, she'll renege. She'll be like, no, no, I'm kidding. Not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be really happy with that guy and we're going to get married. Never mind. Just a phase. Just a phase. (laughs) You taught me a lesson. Um, That is not what happened. Um, I basically was like, screw y'all and I'm going to make it on my own and just not talk to you. (laughs) Um, And so that relationship was really fractured for a number of years. And I think it took, I think because there is kind of this base kindness and compassion that we do have as like this low level running value in the family that we weren't able to maintain that fracture for long. Um, We did eventually try to find our way back to each other to try to find where a common ground was, where we could kind of meet in the middle and be willing to live there so that we could continue to have a relationship. Dina and I were talking earlier and I had, I made a statement that my wife has said before when thinking about relationships that are important, but hard Um, I can choose to be right, or I can choose to have this relationship. And sometimes heavy. That's good. I like that. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. My wife has some really good ones. Um, (laughs) I married a good one. So, and I just think that's so true. You know, I, I can, I can push so much of trying to get them to understand or accept or, or be, you know, tolerant, whatever it is. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the relationship does matter to me. And so I don't have to be right about everything. And I don't have to make them see my point of view to have that relationship. It may not be the relationship I want. It may not be as deep as I want it. It may not, it may not have all the pieces that I wish it had, but it's still important to me. And we found a way to make that work and to be kind to each other in that process. I wonder, Kim, um, <clears throat> as you were talking and, you know, your parents said you can't, you can no longer live in this house and you're mm-hmm. like, well, screw you guys. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to make it on my own. And, you know, that, that seems like it goes against, it's totally contrary to your core belief of compassion and kindness, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. if you're truly compassionate and kind, it would also reflect onto your parents, right? Given the fact you that think. Well, you would think, you would think it doesn't always though, is it? So I just wonder, you know, I, I mean, you were already struggling with your sexuality, with the fact that your parents weren't accepting, but now you weren't accepting them either. <laughs> yeah. Right. So right, right. how you said it didn't last long, but how long did that take? And what was that like for you internally as you had this conflict against your core values? I think we, we really had a pretty fractured, non-existent, minimal conversation communication with each other for probably two or three years um, after I came out. And I think it began to shift kind of, you know, I also came out in the worst way you should ever come out to your super religious conservative parents. I brought my girlfriend with me and was like, 
I'm gay. This is my girlfriend. And she was like, I love your daughter. It was um, terrible. Oh, like, God. No, do not do that. <laughs> do- <laughs> We're going to have a master class on coming out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Don't, that is the, that is the pre don't do it this way video. So, you know, they immediately had very negative, you know, reaction to her and all of that. So once that relationship ended and then I was kind of single for a while, I think my parents thought, oh, she'll, she'll kind of come back around. And when I didn't, and then I started dating somebody else that was also another woman, I think that there just was, I think they started to feel like, well, maybe this is just how it's going to be. I don't think they would ever say this is who she is. They don't believe that, but I think they were able to say, this is how it's going to be. And we still were having communication with, with contact with each other. It was just minimal. And I think there was just something in how those interactions started to shift. You know, when, when I first, when I was single for a little while, they would invite me home more. It was like, that was, it was okay to show up because I wasn't going to bombard them with, you know, with my my lesbian lover. (laughs) So, and, you know, and I think there was something about, you know, them being willing to, even though I knew it was only because I didn't have a girlfriend, I wasn't going to bring somebody there that would be uncomfortable for them but they were willing to invite me back to the house and I was willing to go back to the house and have a, and have a conversation and still hold my ground. But, you know, and they were still able to say, you know, we don't understand. And I was still able to say, well, that that's okay. You don't have to, but it's also not changing. And, um, and I think we learned how to communicate with each other. I, I have said for a long time that I, I don't think it's what you say, it's how you say it. And that, time frame really helped me with that. Learn how to be, I can be very direct with my family, but I've learned how to do it in a kind way so that they can hear me. And I think they have also then figured out how to do that back with me. I'll give an example of this. When Finn and I got engaged, I told my parents that we were getting married and, you know, invited them knowing that there was probably a good chance they weren't going to come. And it was getting, I hadn't heard anything. We had sent them an invite and I hadn't heard anything, hadn't heard anything. And so I finally just called and said, you know, okay, you know, it's, it's the wedding's coming up. Like, are you coming or are you not coming? And my dad said, you know, we've, we've talked about it and they talked with their pastor and they decided that they were not going to come, that they just didn't feel like they could come and support it. And so they, they weren't going to do that. And, and I, said, you know what, dad? I said that it's okay. You know, I, this is not going to be the be all end all of our relationship. I love you. I know you love me, but I do think that you will regret this at the end of your life. And he just kind of said, you know, maybe, but I hear that, but this is, this is what we've decided. Hmm. And we just left it. And it's an uncomfortable spot. But I think a lot of kindness is also having to exist in some discomfort. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also think that you used, um, what I'm hearing is that the kindness and compassion you did use toward your parents, but you also mainly used it with yourself because in order to stand up to your parents, you had to be compassionate with yourself and say, and accept yourself and say, this is who I am. This is not going to change. And I need to give myself the kindness of being me. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't know that it was um, 
that thought out at the time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I, I, I would agree with that assessment for sure. Growing up religious, do mm-hmm. you have, let me rephrase this. Is it hard for you to hold compassion for your religion or your, I don't know if you practice that religion now, but growing up, is it hard for you to have compassion for a religion that doesn't accept you for who you are? Um, yes, <laughs> it's not my strong suit for sure. <laughs> and I, I, I am not, I would not identify as a practicing Christian. Yeah, it's, it's challenging. Um, we had a really good church community in Georgia and a lot of our friends, a lot of the people who really helped through surgery and were the ones that were there for us were people that, that were from a church community. Um, and they're, they're people that we are friends with and are part of our larger community to this day. Um, some still believe some don't, some have walked away. There's a lot of, a lot of stories there that could be gone into, but, but I know people of faith that are really at their core, kind and compassionate and would never support the same beliefs that, that my family support. So I think it just, it's hard for me to make this broad brush of like, oh, I don't have compassion for Christianity because there are really beautiful Christians in the world and there are churches that are doing it really well. Um, But then there's the other side, there's the really restrictive and just not judgmental, not tolerant. um, And I don't have a lot of compassion there. It, It is definitely a big struggle for me. And it's really hard because that's the, that's the religion that my family comes from and what they still believe. And so I've had to tap into my compassion for them individually mm-hmm. to be able to have some compassion for the religion that they believe in. Yeah. Well, I think it's um, hard because people who are strong in their faith and really go by the word of God tend to not practice with a lot of compassion. Um, and that's generally why a lot of discord happens, I think, with people who are trying to live compassionately and live with community because the basis of community is all people should be welcomed. Everybody who is, you know, in we'll quote, you know, terms, God's children, right? Right. We're all the same. And yet here we have a community saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to just like create a box and we're going to be in this box. And anybody that's a triangle or a circle or a hexagon or an octagon, (laughs) not coming into this square. Um, And so I empathize with that. I grew up a conservative Jew and mm-hmm. um, covered in tattoos, which in yeah. Jewish culture, Jews are not allowed to be buried um, with tattoos in a Jewish cemetery. Oh, wow. um, and it's a very interesting thing. They just, for, they don't, they don't like tattoos yeah. or piercings. You can't have piercings other than your ears. And so I can empathize with this like struggle of compassion. A lot of yeah. my family, my Jewish community is not super accepting of some of my life choices. Um, And so I appreciate what you said. I like how you said it. It's like, I have to have compassion for individuals because I think otherwise I get lost in anger and frustration. You're like, why can't you just love everybody? Um, And so I really appreciate how you said that because I don't, I I battle with that. I battle with that also. I think too yeah. that this is a lot of what's happening, um, the divisiveness in the world right now in our country, because it's become an us and them. And it's a group, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's groups of people. You don't think, you know, that group over there, they're different. 
-hmm. I don't like them. But if there were a way that Kim, you could bottle this individual compassion and <laughs> sell it. You could be a bazillionaire. Be awesome. <laughs> it would be amazing. But, you know, if we could just drink from the bottle of compassion for an individual, mm -hmm. I think it would serve us all better to make a very general statement, right? I, I just... I, I appreciate that very much. Well, I think that's part yeah. of the problem sometimes that we struggle with, right? Is like, I know I do it when I like do it with age, right? And I clump people into an age category. Yeah. Like and me. like, yeah. So well, you old. said, Kim, it's so funny. You said you got your first open, heart, first open heart surgery when you were 27. I'm 27. So when you <laughs> said that, I was like, wow, this is a weird like interaction for me in this age category. And like, right. it's not really, and I do the same thing with people in my own age category where I'm like, oh, they're so different. There's them and then there's me or people who are older with me and they're older and then there's younger, there's Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives and religious and non-religious, gay, straight, in between yeah. all of it. And there's again, back to the community idea of just like, if we could just have a community of compassion and kindness, peace, love, and acceptance in the world. Kumbaya. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I think we could get a lot further in the world if we mm -hmm. had more of it, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way that we can do that is by practicing it ourselves. Absolutely. Agreed. Now, yeah. here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. Does someone have to have a core value of kindness and compassion in order to practice that? I don't think you would have to have a core value to practice it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that they're, they're really good and spiritual practices that, you know, I think that you can come at kindness and compassion for other reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, if you are in somebody who is experiencing a lot of anger in your life and kindness and compassion are not necessarily a core value, but, um, but you do have a core value of being able to, you know, keep a job <laughs> and maybe that's a challenge because you're just angry all the time and you blow up and, and can't keep a job. Then, you know, maybe there's something about the motivation to like go to a kindness or compassionate um, training to learn about these notions. And so maybe the value is actually like, I want to be able to keep a job. I want to be able to interact with coworkers and interact with supervisors and be able to have a career for myself so that I can support my family. Kindness and compassion aren't necessarily a value of mine, but I recognize them as a means to an end. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I don't know. When you said that too, when you said, okay, what if you have anger issues and kindness and compassion are not um, <clears throat> values for you? I just wonder, and this is all just philosophical discussion here you know, could it be the reason that you're angry is that you're so far from your true values of compassion, kindness, of compassion and kindness? Yeah. Well, I think um, another thing that you said, Kim, in a couple, you know, a couple conversations ago <laughs> is it's about how you view yourself, how you view yourself is how others view you. And if you don't view yourself with kindness and compassion, there's there no you way you can practice it any other, you know, it starts, everything starts with self. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, if I was as kind and compassionate to myself as I am to others, um, I would be much better off sometimes than I am. But I think oh, yeah. 
that also comes from, I, that is a value of mine is to have kindness and compassion and authenticity. And so that is why I feel so far away from it is because it isn't what I'm practicing on myself. And I think for people whose core values are not kindness and compassion, it's almost one of those things that I think is like a value without choice. (laughs) You know, because you have to be kind and compassionate to yourself. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing. There's going to be nothing in your life of value. Because if you self-hate and you beat yourself up, that's what your whole life is going to be. Like you said, you Mm -hmm. are, you know, your perception of yourself is how you show up in the world and how others view you as well. Yeah. But But I think that's, I think we still see a lot of that though. I still think that in the world, I mean, there's just so much brokenness in a lot of ways that I think self-kindness and self-compassion could be just a, a, a real healing balm for. Well, like I said, you just got to bottle it. Yeah, just sell it. Just sell it. Just sell it. I'll buy 10 bottles. Okay, but but if true kindness and compassion, you would just give it away. Yeah, there you go. It's true. There you go. But that is, if if it starts and you are kind and compassionate and can do that for yourself, but then do that for other people, maybe that is somewhat of giving away the secret. Right. Connor and I were watching it. My husband's name is Connor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching a movie and can't remember what movie it is. But this is the second time that this particular line has come up. And of course we can't remember the movie. And it's an act of kindness sparks an act of kindness. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried to think about that. Like the other day I was at the dollar store and like I was checking out and this woman was like struggling to get her bags and her walker and get out the door. And so I stopped what I was doing. I opened to the door And she was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the woman behind me was like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And then paid for the woman behind her. And it was like one of those things that Mm -hmm. I saw a trajectory of like, oh, I showed kindness completely just out of the fact I showed kindness. And then somebody else saw that and was like, I'm going to do something also. And I think that's another thing to remember is like, it just, if we could just lead by example and Mm -hmm. small opening the door for somebody, you know, yeah. paying for somebody's food is or food or things is big. Sure. Opening the door, waving hello, asking the cashier mm-hmm. how their day is going. Those small acts of kindness, somebody's going to see and it sparks kindness. Absolutely. My speaking of kindness, this just reminded me, my wife is an exceptionally kind person and we show kindness a lot to each other. And, and we've been in Um, environments with other friends who are either coupled or not, but often it'll get commented on. And we'll have friends that'll kind of, after like a cabin weekend or something, they'll be like, something I notice is you guys are talk so kindly to each other. And Finn has said for years that she believes that you have to be kind to each other every day because it's easy to be kind when it's good But if you're in the practice of being kind, it makes it easier to be kind when it's hard. Mm, And it just makes such a huge difference, not just in my relationship. I, I benefit greatly from having somebody who believes that as my spouse, but I've taken that and I do that at work. And I try to do that with, you know, I, I'm kind of a team lead. And so I have social workers that kind of work under me and um, other staff that I coordinate with and work with. 
And I try really hard to be kind every day, show appreciation every day. I end every phone call, every email with, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, And I tell people that on a regular basis. And I do feel like one of the probably greatest compliments my current supervisor gave me is she said, you know, when you stepped into that position, there was a lot of really challenging personalities um, in those, in the, in the job. And there was just a lot of conflict and she's like, and you've come in and you've just been such a calming effect and it has all kind of dissipated. And I, and I really attribute it to my ability to show kindness, even in stressful situations and just pick something every day to tell somebody on the team, whether it's one of my social workers or whether it's a nurse that's been working with one of my patients, the physical therapist who's getting somebody who's, you know, didn't think they were going to be able to go home, but they've just worked so hard and just make sure to make the point of telling them you're doing a great job. Like you have had a huge impact on this patient's life and making sure they know that. And I think it helps the work environment. So it can work everywhere. Kindness can work everywhere. <laughs> so we'll just call this the kindness podcast. Yeah. This yeah. Is yeah. Kindness. <laughs> it's a core tenant for me. It really is. <laughs> and it comes through very clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and um, it sounds like your wife is a very wise woman as well. Yes. <laughs> you know her. So you know that. <laughs> I'm really interested to know the answer to this next question that I'm about to ask because you're, I completely get what your supervisor said to you about this calming, kind person that you just, you just emit. Like you, it's just this conversation has been so calming and informative and reflective because I think kindness and compassion is something that we talk about or we think about, but not necessarily dig so deep into and how it shows up in the smallest ways, but makes the biggest impact. And we talked a lot about that. And so I'm curious to know, how do you maintain this person that you are, this calm and (laughs) kind and compassionate community member? How do you maintain this? What is your filling? Wow. I would say I... I'm going to go back again to my wife. (laughs) She is a big piece. Um, She helps, she helps tremendously, partly because she had, she, we share this value and she is so kind. And so it's just, it's easy to reflect it back. You know, I get it. And so I can reflect it back. And I think when you're in a partnership where kindness is really a value for both of you, it's also, if I've had a bad day and kindness isn't my most natural instinct in that moment, it just, usually it just works out that like, she is going to be able to give me an abundance of kindness that I'm not able to give myself at the moment Mm -hmm. and vice versa. When she's having trouble seeing the kindness that she needs to give herself, I am usually able to kind of hand it over and give it to her. And so I think that is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Self-care, self-care matters a lot. In my (laughs) opinion, I, it has, you know, I work inpatient social work in a year of a pandemic. It is hard. I have taken more bubble baths than I've ever taken in my life. (laughs) Um, And that is just my opportunity to reset because there are bad days. There are days that everything falls apart at work. Everything I've spent weeks and weeks working on. And then in one moment it can crash and my whole plan for this patient is ruined (laughs) and it can just feel like, what is the point? And so frustrating. But, But then I have the ability to one, go home to somebody who I know is going to listen to me and listen to me with kindness and compassion. 
And then I can go sit in the bathtub and I can reflect and I can let it go and I can let it all just kind of wash away. And then I get out and I'm refreshed and I'm, and I'm back again. So I think having, having the community, having the people that can reflect that back for you and then knowing how to take care of yourself, whatever that is, whether that's a hike, a run, a bubble bath, a book, just know yourself enough to know what you need. And I have to say, I'm, I'm very grateful that you did not say a glass of wine. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, there have been cocktails in the bathtub. That's okay. That's okay. But I, I just, you know, it's so important for me when we talk about self-care to not include alcohol or any sort of, um, you know, marijuana or anything to be able to care for ourselves, um, holistically is really important. And that goes back to being able to be kind to yourself and compassionate with yourself, because obviously ingesting these kinds of things are not healthy and not necessarily good. So, yeah. And I also think on that, um, you know, when people say, a glass of wine or going to the bar, you know, you ask them to think deeper on that. And it generally comes back that community, you know, or, or feeling like they need something comforting. And Rachel made a really good point. And that was, you know, um, sometimes people use those, you know, go out for a beer, go out for a glass of wine or something to be in a community Yeah, because that community, um, connect through those unhealthy sort of self-care ways. Um, and I just, I, I thought that was a really good point. Yeah. So I think we also have to take into mm-hmm. just that yes, alcohol and we'll use marijuana. I guess it's just, we're going to use that instead of some of the other drugs that are listed in that category. And like, <laughs> yes, they are not necessarily holistic healing. And I don't think that they should ever be used as quote unquote healing things. But I would also say that there are components that people find a lot of support in as far as getting them out of the house and being able to be around people or being able to, you know, go to a concert and take that beer off, take that beer off, (laughs) have that beer, take that edge off Mm -hmm. um, to allow them to experience. And so I just want to, I just want to, while yes, it shouldn't be used as a healing modality, I can see the components that make it helpful for those that struggle to get themselves into things that do benefit them in self-care. Yeah. I, I hear that. I do people. Yeah. I do think, and, and, you know, whether, whether it's the best way to take care of yourself, I think could be certainly argued, but I do think that that piece of community and people getting together to go out for, for cocktails or drinks or whatever it is that happens. Um, if that is your way to get yourself around other people so that you can recharge or just have other people to bounce things off of, um, then I'm not going to take that away from somebody if that's their only outlet that they are capable of, of doing at that moment. Right. But certainly not the, the recommended. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not the recommended. And also should not be your only option. There you go. Should not be your only option. Correct. Yes. Um, And it's funny that I'm saying this because I'm the person that's like, I don't particularly like community is not necessarily one of my core values. I like (laughs) to be uh, on my hill surrounded by only mm-hmm. animals. I don't yeah. go to bars. I don't like, that's not my scene, but I do think I, I, you know, as a 27 year old, I do know that that is a big self-care aid. For yeah. Some 
I, I like the way you put it, the self-care aid. Aid. Yeah. Self-care yeah. aid. I, I have a lot of feelings about this. Yeah, of course you You're do. not going to get yeah. into right now. <laughs> of course um, you do. Of course I do. Uh, that that's it's interesting and I really feel like that's a topic that we should tackle sometime I think it's a great topic I think it's a really good topic topic yeah or talk it (laughs) talk Talk it topic I will listen to it (laughs) awesome we will pay you to do that oh wait no 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 pay (laughs) so you know it's just been it's been so great talking to you Kim and Mm -hmm. I I really appreciate you agreeing to talk with us and give our listeners some food for thought. Um, yeah. So what would you say is, uh, your special ingredient? I think I know, but what makes your pie? What makes it? What is my special ingredient? (laughs) Like it's, I feel like it sounds so codependent. I'm like my wife. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, I say, I'd say the same thing about my husband. Yeah. Yeah. It really, um, I, I don't know that I can, um, express how, crucial and important it is to have that person that I'm just able to, I know that whether it's good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. She's there and she's going to be there with kindness and compassion. And it does, it helps me be able to maintain that for myself and to feel like I have a safe space. So I do think that, um, she is probably my best special ingredient. Safe space. I don't think we give enough airtime to safe space. Yeah. Um, which is what a bubble bath is. Yeah. Uh, and I also think, um, you know, for our listeners who might not have that, that partner, right. Yeah. Right now, I think it's not what you're talking about is not just having a, a romantic partner. It's about having somebody in your life that feels yeah. like you can show up however you show up with, and they will meet you with kindness and compassion. And I think that that is what I hear you saying is it's, it's just having that one person or a few people where it doesn't matter the situation, you know, that they're going to meet you with no judgment and kindness and compassion. 100%. She is my special ingredient today, mm-hmm. 12 years ago, that would have been, a, I can identify who that person would yep. have been, you know, a very good friend, you know, yep. so at different points in my life, it has been different people. But yes, that that person that I can go to with all of me, with all of the authentic pieces of me and feel certain that I'm going to get kindness back. And which reminds me of you, Rachel, and your value of unconditional love. Unconditional love. Because that's what I think we're talking about here is to be able to be exactly who you are and exactly the way you need to be in that moment and to have a person or people around you who say, yep, we love you. Or I yes. love you. Yes. That was nice. I like that. You I'm too. thinking of all those people now. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to tell them that I love them today. I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all starting to make a running yeah. list of the people yeah. we should well, call. Or- I got <laughs> that's, those. That's, that's why I love this podcast because things come up and it's like, yeah, wow. And um, I, I really should keep a list. I really should keep notes. And haven't I said this before? Maybe it's on my other call. Um, just of all the wonderful things that get set. set. You definitely say that. And I, and I agree. It's like, especially Kim, like there's so much in this conversation that I'm taking with me because I think 
you put it in such a simple way for me to digest. And I love when that happens. <laughs> um, and so I just really appreciate this because I don't practice with enough kindness and I don't practice with enough compassion, especially for those close to me. I think sometimes I am forgetful. Um, and mm -hmm. so I loved what you and your wife do of just speaking from kindness with kindness. And like you said, also, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. um, I think is just a few of the many things I'm taking away from this conversation that we had. And I'm just so appreciative. Well, I'm just, I'm so happy. And I love when we do these podcasts because it being in my late twenties, I'm always looking for <laughs> things to help me continue to grow and mature into a woman that I really want to be. And having women like you on this podcast and women like Dina in my life, I have no fear that I will become that woman. And I'm just so grateful for the wisdom that both of you share with me. So thanks. Thank you so much. It was really <laughs> great to meet you. And I will share how awesome you are with my wife, who will just become more of a fan, <laughs> more determined to become your friend. Oh my gosh. We are friends. We're already friends. You are, fr friends you are friends. I will, I will tell her. She yes. will be very excited. Yes. Friend me on Facebook. We're ready. We're already friends. All That's right. right. That's, That's right. good. Well, Kim, thank Thanks. you so much. Uh, I really You're appreciate welcome. it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you so much, Kim. You're welcome. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye.